Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We're sticking with the theme of college coaches this week, and the reason we wanted to do that is because we wanted to show just how many exceptional coaches there are around the country right now, whether it be the men's game, the women's game, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. There are so many outstanding personalities, so many incredible intellects driving so many of the programs across the country right now, and that's something to keep in mind, particularly in the midst of this global pandemic, because as we learn each and every day, uh, you know, all of our lives are going to continue to be impacted, you know, continue to see ramifications from this pandemic uh, in the world of tennis in particular. Uh, you know, this global pandemic has not been good for college sports and in particular for non-revenue sports because so many athletic departments around the country right now uh, face incredibly difficult decisions, particularly with the prospect of there being no football, no basketball. Those are, you know, the two sports that drive what, you know, so many college athletics allow so many other sports sports to become possible. And so college sports is in a lot of flux right now. And, you know, one of the reasons we here at Cracked Rackets want to continue to promote college tennis, whether it be personalities, players, coaches from throughout the college tennis world, is to show just how beneficial college tennis is as a product to so many across the country, so many Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, men's and women's athletes who get their opportunity to continue to play the sport they love while also pursuing higher education as well. And, you know, we've had people from ITA CEO Tim Russell, Andy Katz, all these coaches and players, you know, a broad spectrum. And everyone stresses how wonderful, you know, even former pros, when they talk about their college years, uh, they talk about how beneficial they were, how much they learned, not just on the court, but off the court as well. And, you know, a guy like John Isner, sure, he's always a tennis talent, but does he become the player and the person he is today without four years at the University of Georgia? Or if he's forced to go pro directly, does he get lost on tour if he doesn't have success or early on, uh, these are all questions, you know, that you can legitimately ask. And because of college tennis, John Isner doesn't have to worry about that. And so, you know, we will continue to promote college tennis as a cause here at Crack Rackets. And that's why we're so thrilled to bring on today's guest, because he's one of the rising coaches across the country, a former All-American at Ohio State, uh, where he set many records for the men's tennis team while playing under head coach Ty Tucker. He has now uh, moved on to the role as the head coach of the Iowa men's tennis team and had his team at a program best number 20 in the ITA rankings when the season was stopped. Iowa men's tennis head coach Ross Wilson joins the show today and as I sort of preface there, uh, he's a guy who understands the benefits of college tennis, who played college tennis, went back to the pros and then realized, you know, maybe that wasn't for him, but the coaching ranks certainly were. He wanted tennis to be a part of his life uh, and now finds himself again as the head coach of the Iowa men's tennis team. And you see so many former Ty Tucker products right now, by the way, littered throughout uh, the college tennis world. And, you know, Ross Wilson being one of the, being part of the Tucker model, I suppose that might be giving Ty a little bit too much credit because Ross is just an outstanding coach on his own right. And there's a reason why his Iowa teams have had, uh, you know, more and more success throughout his tenure. And, you know, we talked to him about what it's like to build a program like Iowa. Certainly, when you think of tennis powerhouses over the year, Iowa will never be a name that jumps out to you. And so he talks about how he gets players to commit to his program, what the philosophies building around his, or around his program that help make it a place where players can come and get better both on and off the court. You know, how he strides to build his program, uh, what philosophies he uses to build that atmosphere. And then, of course, you know, we got to ask him about some specifics, his playing time, some of his favorite matches, some, you know, how recruiting 
recruiting's been affected right now, uh, how COVID-19 has affected his team preparation, his thoughts on seniors coming back, what college tennis will look like if it comes back, all of that and so much more. It's a fantastic interview. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, the reason you're able to enjoy all of our Cracked Rackets interviews, the, able, the reason we're able to do this Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get here at Cracked Rackets from our friends at Midwest Sports. And for more than 20 years, Midwest Sports has been supporting tennis players across the globe by serving as one of the world's premier tennis online suppliers. And look, Ross Wilson, man, man of the Midwest. Ty Tucker, man of the Midwest. As I always say, I am a product of the Midwest. All of us know that we could have turned to Midwest Sports because they offer a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. They also have one of the largest in-stock inventories of tennis equipment online with tens of thousands of products available for shipping directly from their automated warehouse to your front door. They value innovation and have personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court, whatever they may be. And maybe you need a little help finding that perfect gear. Well, rest assured, their well-trained staff are intimately familiar with all of their products and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect tennis clothing that is sure to put you ahead of the competition. Their selections of equipment are consistently first to market, and they pride themselves in stocking their warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. And I'm not going to lie, given our partnership with Midwest Sports, I've asked myself over the years, Alex, if you would have strung your racket more frequently, if you would have taken proper care, you know, updated your shoes more appropriately, do all the things you can do to get that extra 5% out of your tennis game, would I still be playing on the pros right now? And the answer is a resounding no. But maybe that's not the answer for you, and you can get all of your equipment supplies um, uh, fulfilled, I suppose, by going to MidwestSports.com. Once you're there, use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, and free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. I mean, it just makes sense, folks. Go to MidwestSports.com. Get what you need to make your return to the court a successful one. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there, and again, we are so grateful grateful for their support the least we can ask you to do is support them as well midwestsports.com the promo code is cr15 i'd also ask that you go support our friends at aerobar of course we've had so much fun doing our getting to the point episodes every thursday on the mini break podcast the guests so far michael russell jay berger bjorn fratangelo richard john menzing uh, they all speak for themselves in terms of the quality that you can expect and of course you can expect that same sort of quality when you bite into an aerobar the only tennis specific energy bar alternative out there it's a great way to start your day hey great shot even if you don't have a match planned it's just you're not going to feel heavy you're not going to feel bloated you're not going to have a sugar crash it's just going to get you on the right start the right sort of nutritional balance you need to kick off your day so go to aerobar.com use the promo code cracked 15 get 15 percent off your order dig into those chocolate chips dig into those cinnamon honey oats you're going to enjoy it i promise you that aerobar.com the promo code Cracked 15. All right. With that being said, let's get to my conversation with Iowa men's tennis head coach, Ross Wilson. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast today, you may know him as a former two-time All-American and three-time ITA National Doubles Champion at Ohio State. He is currently the head head coach for the Iowa men's tennis team where he led his program to a ranking best number 20 in the ITA rankings this year. Head coach Ross Wilson, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm doing well. Doing well. It's good to be on. No, it is our pleasure to have you. And I, I, you know, as someone who went to Michigan, I have the Big Ten in me as well. So I'm glad to see that you keep it in the conference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I won't hold that against you that you went to Michigan, but uh, <laughs> pre- appreciate all you're doing for college tennis, though, in the Big Ten. 
Oh, I appreciate you saying that as well. And, you know, for you guys, let's just start right there. As I mentioned, program best number 20 in the ITA rankings this year. You were 12-2 and two when the season stopped. Before we get into what that moment was like for you, just talk about how fun it must have been to really see, you know, it was a young team minus Kareem, and you guys had already, you know, to have that sort of success. How was 2020 going for you all? Uh, it was a wild ride. I mean, it, it was great to see. Um, you know, it kind of felt going into the year that this was going to be one of our strongest teams. Um, we had a great fall, had two double teams in the ITA Fall Nationals. Kramilov, our one singles player, was in the singles of that. So we had a great fall. And then, you know, going into the season, I knew we had a lot of very good home matches against teams ranked in the top 50 and, and thought we had a good chance to win a lot of those. And, um, you know, guys, guys worked hard. I mean, they, they stay in the summer, they, they train, they put the time in and uh, really came together as a team. So um, as you can see in our schedule, we had a lot of 4-3 wins. So a lot of excitement in there and um, just a great season. Really proud of the guys overall. Yeah, and you talk about you knew it was one of your better teams. I'm looking at the website right now, and maybe I'm just looking at the wrong season, but it does look like you guys had a young team, you know, primarily freshmen and sophomores. And, you know, I know Kareem's a redshirt senior. I know Jason Kirst listed as a freshman, but as a fellow Michigander, I know that is not the case. Um, What was it about this team that things clicked so well? As you mentioned, you're playing so many close matches all of them don't go your way unless something is working for your team. What was that thing that allowed them to get over the hump down the finish line so often this year? Well, I think number one, I mean, all those guys have started um, as freshmen. And so they, they got a lot of matches under their belts up to this point. I mean, they've been in these battles and, you know, we've won some close ones. We've lost some close ones. They've been, you know, in the grind of the season. So they, they were prepared for it mentally and and they knew it was going to happen. But I think the biggest key to our team was, was definitely doubles um you know we played, some, played really good doubles here the past three or four years at Iowa and guys try to come out and play with a bunch of energy and we've got a specific way that we want to play and where we want to hit the ball and cover um guys have really bought in and and we've had some really strong teams so I think just kind of getting up that one zero lead um especially at home and then you know having a player playing at number one like Kareem Aloff who you know was ranked 51 in the country is he's won our regional um, you know, he's beating a lot of high-level players. You know, that's he's a tough guy to, to, to beat. And then, you know, Will Davies is, is another guy who's been a rock for us playing anywhere between four and six in the lineup. So I think doubles and, and two of those spots have made us a tough team to beat, I think. It's funny hearing you say that I hear the Ty Tucker in your background because, you know, whenever you talk to him, A, you're going to get a lecture about doubles, and then B, you're going to get some match calculus talk. He'll be like, well, I really only need to win at one, at six, and then I'll find one more. And so, you know, you talk about working out you know, the match calculus for your team and looking for those success. And you started with doubles. How critical is that doubles point getting that momentum for your team? Because it is only one point, but do you think that momentum means a little bit extra? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of teams that are really close around the country and and a lot of the matches that we play are going to be four, three. And I think the one way you get that advantage is you win the doubles point. You know, I mean, everybody can have can win three points in, in the lineup in singles, but, um, you know, that doubles usually, usually is the decider. And so that's something that we talk to our guys a lot about, but also in the recruiting process, you know, we're trying to recruit guys that have double skills that are already pretty good doubles players and, you know, have some of those traits that they can be really successful when we, we play that doubles point. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, it was working for your team. You'd had so much success, as I said, twelve and two when the season stopped. And you know now is going to be the less fun questions, I suppose. But you know, how did you find out the news that the season was going to be canceled? And you know, what was that process like communicating it to your guys? I think the night before is a Wednesday, and you know, you find out that the NBA season got canceled, and. And I know they were trying to play the Big Ten tournament um, at that time, and they maybe said they were going to play without fans. And then, you know, the NBA got canceled. And once that happened, I kind of thought, oh, you know, this this thing might be over. And that next morning, we got the word from our athletic director, and um, we had a meeting with our guys that afternoon. And you know, everything just kind of moved really, really quickly. And you know, that was a tough meeting, you know, getting in the locker room and telling the guys that we weren't going to be able to continue the season and. Um, they were going to have classes online and, you know, there's, there's just a lot of long faces and, you know, a lot of unanswered questions, you know, should I, 
should I go home or should I stay in Iowa City because we have a lot of guys from England. Um, and so those are just some of the things that we had to work through besides the, the disappointments of, of not being able to finish, you know, such a great season um, that we were having up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be the question where you might swear at me, but knowing <laughs> that you were 12-2, and two, um, NCAA tournament this year, I'm not going to say it was a sure thing, but it was more likely than not at the time when the season ended. And so to know that you would have made the tournament, I believe, for the first time in your coaching tenure at Iowa, to know you know that Kareem playing such a great year of tennis, to, for him to be top 60 ITA, be competing for a spot at the NCAA individual tournament, is that, you know, did it make the situation even tougher, I suppose, than it would have been just normally? Yeah, I think so, uh, especially for guys like Kareem and, and Jason. I mean, Kareem's been here for uh, five years, and Jason's been here for four years, and, you know, they've been through the up through the ups and downs, you know, where, you know, last season we beat Michigan, who's 18 in the country, uh, right at the end of the year. I know you're a Michigan guy, obviously. Yeah, but... there it is. I was waiting for that. <laughs> big, uh, big win for us, and um, we go to the Big Ten tournament, we win our first round, and then we lose to Penn State, and, and we're the last team out of the tournament. You know, that was tough for them to swallow and for them to have this happen. Um, obviously extremely disappointing, but, um, you know, when I started here at Iowa, you know, one of the goals was to have a sustainable program, and to do that, you've got to have a good schedule. Most importantly, you got to recruit the right players, and um, you've got to really be committed to training and doing it in the summer and making tennis you know, a year long thing with your guys. And I think that's something that we've done here. So uh, this season was definitely disappointing, but, you know, I fully expect, you know, Iowa and our team to be back um, in the NCAA tournament discussion and being able to win rounds in the years to come. Mm -hmm. And you talk about tennis being a full year round commitment and it really is. And, you know, it's one of those rare pro tours that really does go 48 weeks of the year. So you're always playing tennis if you're into tennis. And, you know, during this pandemic, of course, safety, health are prioritized as they should be. Um, But for you as a coach, knowing, you know, again, with an international team, players across the globe, or maybe they're not staying in Iowa, uh, what has this time period been like for you? How are you staying in contact with your team in ways that maybe you wouldn't during this normal time and what are you guys doing to ensure that you know everyone's on the same you know training schedule yeah you know it's, it's definitely been tough I mean you go from going a million miles an hour right in the middle of the season especially having the year that we were having with you know high expectations to to not having you know team practice and to not being able to go into the office and to not be able to see the guys every day and so that you know getting on a schedule and having a little bit of a routine something that I think everybody struggled with, but we did a lot of Zoom meetings with the team uh, once or twice a week, just keeping in touch and making sure that you know, everybody was good mentally and they're keeping up with their schoolwork and, and things like that. Obviously, they couldn't play a ton of tennis because of the lockdowns over in the UK and then here. Um, but, you know, text, I mean, a, a lot of the ways that we recruited these guys were over you know, Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and things like that. So, you know, texting and communicating on social media for us was just kind of the, the norm um, with our team. But now, you know, things have kind of loosened up. I know our guys in the U.S. here are out, out practicing, including our incoming freshmen. And then guys over in the U.K., they've opened up uh, tennis clubs and, you know, they're starting to hit some balls and starting to get back into it. But I think everybody, for the most part, stayed in shape just because that was one of the few activities that they could do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no, without question. And, you know, I, I think an interesting follow-up to that because, I, you know, I, I'm doing some quick math in my head, but I believe you graduated Ohio State in 06, so, you know, plus 14 years, that's going to put you mid to late 30s. And, by yep. the way, congratulations to you. That's pretty awesome. Head coach by the mid to late 30s. But, um, Thank you, you know, how big a component is social media, too, as you mentioned, the recruiting and the communicating you do with players nowadays, uh, especially the international ones? And then, I mean, do you have have to be social media literate to be a head coach right now <laughs> i mean I, I think there's a lot of people can do it in a lot of different ways um but i think social media is the the biggest avenue to be able to communicate with with the recruits on a day-to-day basis you know you always see these guys when you're in the van or you're in the airport or you know even before practice they're looking at their phones looking at instagram or snapchat i don't think they use facebook a ton anymore but um you know being able to to operate on those uh uh, social media outlets I mean that's that's super important and it's a good way to find out about it too you can get to know, you know what are their families like and what they like to do outside of tennis and 
you know, how, how serious of a tennis player are they? They usually have a lot of tennis picks that they do. Um, and what are they doing on a day-to-day basis? You know, these kids put up uh, them working out and practicing and things like that. So it's just a nice way to, to stay in touch and to kind of build a relationship with them. Yeah, and I, I know, again, it take us with a degree of uh, seriousness, I suppose, but if you see a player's Instagram, Twitter account, and you do see they're tennis-centric, I'm sure it's not a thing where if they're not tennis-centric and you want to recruit them, it's a negative, but if they are tennis-centric, is that an additional bonus? Do you like seeing players who are that you know that committed just throughout their lives? Yeah, I mean, I think that shows that it's a big part of, you know, who they are, and it's just not an activity um, for them on a, a couple-day-a-week basis or just something they do for fun. So, I mean, I think a lot of, you know, who people are is who they want to be is what they put up on social media. So if they've got a lot of pictures with their friends at tournaments or traveling to tournaments or whatever it is or even, you know, videos of them practicing, I think that's that says a lot about how serious they take this. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's an interesting tidbit to hear. I like that. And I, I read an article, I think it was in the Daily Iowan. I may have uh, mispronounced that. No, it is the Daily Iowan, where it talked about your team and how, you know, the men's tennis team is has an international flair to it, how I think at the time there was like eight guys who were international, two guys from the States. And that speaks to the global nature of the sport of tennis. You know, how is it a necessity, I suppose, to recruit internationally, in your opinion, if you want to compete? with the best programs across the country yeah i think that you know you look at the top teams in the country and they they all have 50 percent international or at least a couple of their guys and sometimes most of the time it's probably some of their top players that are are definitely international i think tennis it's it's such a big sport all around the world too that if you're trying to get the best players you're going to have to draw from that worldwide pool if you want to be competitive and so um, for us here at iowa we obviously don't have a ton of players in the state of iowa that can and reach the goals that we want to on the national stage. So we've got to look out elsewhere. And, you know, we've found a lot of really good guys from England that have, you know, fit our system and loved Iowa City and, and liked me and what I was trying to do here. And, and it's been a really good, uh, really good fit. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know you have gone on recruiting trips, and this was a 10-day trip. Italy, Switzerland, England, Germany, your assistant, Hungary, Portugal. On the surface, you know, that just sounds like an exceptional 10 days. But, I mean, you are spending those 10 days at clubs, right, talking to kids. And I I guess what is an international, you know, how does that international process look? Because, you know, I imagine it's pretty similar to the way all the coaches, you know, sort of collaborate or get to at Kalamazoo and everyone's there, everyone's watching. I feel like things are much more dispersed throughout Europe, so it's probably a little more difficult. Yeah, and we don't we don't really try to go to the tournaments that a ton of the coaches are going to. So you know, mm-hmm. I always tell my assistant if you show up there and there's more than five coaches, we may be at the wrong tournament. Um, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, we talk to these kids obviously through social media, and then after that, um, you know, we, we plan on going over in the summers and either meeting with them at their clubs and meeting with their parents and coaches or maybe seeing them at a club match or a, a junior tournament or a men's open tournament somewhere and um, spending a couple days just, you know, obviously watching them practice, watching them compete. But then on top of that, watching them interact with other players, other coaches, you know, when you go to a club match, it's interesting because you can see what kind of person they are and what people think of them just by how many people talk to them. Um, how they interact with people. So I think you can learn a lot um, when you go in person and you can see these kids. Yeah, no, with that, yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, and there, in terms of the recruiting process right now and how it's been affected by this pandemic, because obviously there are no tournaments going on, uh, it's even hard probably for players to send practice videos at this point. And I know there are financial implications as well that I want to ask you about, but how difficult has it been to recruit and you know stay communicating, not just with the people committed, I suppose, already to Iowa, but with those prospective future players on your roster i think developing content is something that's been obviously a little bit more difficult so that you're not just you know the recruits not seeing the same thing every time on your instagram or your twitter or whatever it is and then um doing the best you can to to keeping up with them and to keep the conversation new um you know there's only so much you can talk about and at this point with the recruiting band going through the end of july not really a chance for you to to kind of say hey i'm going to come over and see you and that's kind of the next step in the process so um just i think everybody knows that and just try to find creative ways uh stay in touch and um 
to do those sorts of things. I mean, with, with PlaySight and some of these other tools, you know, kids can videotape practices or practice matches and things like that and send them to us. So we're, we're trying to do that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's i mean you must have seen plenty of tennis on film at this point is it easy to distinguish still you know who's got it who doesn't i i definitely think you can mark people off the list uh when you mm-hmm. watch them play on a video but um you know going to see them play live is obviously that that's everything i mean especially if you're looking for specific things that that you want your guys to be able to do or can maybe foresee them being able to do after a year or two they've been in your system i think you know, being able to watch them live, how they move, how they hit the ball, the spin, how the ball comes off the ground, all those types of things are really important. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, you can slap a forehand on video and get away with it, and that's one of those things where you watch a full match and you're like, wait a second, like, that's not what you do. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, it uh, definitely could be a little deceiving. And, you know, to get into the financial implications for recruiting right now, and I won't ask you to speak for Kareem if he's coming back or not unless you'd like to, because obviously we'd love to hear that he's coming back for another season. But knowing that athletic departments may be impacted, knowing that, you know, scholarship availability it's all just going to be tough over these next couple of years uh how concerned are you with you know the financial implications of this COVID-19 pandemic on you know what you're going to be able to do recruiting wise well Kareem and Jason will both be back next year so let's go it's great to hear yeah that's a positive for us they're excited but um obviously yeah the the whole landscape of college sports has definitely changed Uh, I think you know, being able to be in the Big Ten and being at a place like Iowa is definitely um, a big positive. Um, there's a lot of ways for revenue streams to come in in the future. And I think right now it's just all about trying to find a way to get through those next, you know, 12 months and, you know, being able to if we have to make certain sacrifices with budget cuts and things like that. Then, then that's what we'll have to do. But, you know, eventually I think college sports will be back and, um, you know, we'll be going strong again soon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We look forward to seeing that. How tough was it for you? I'm sure inherently you're from Toledo. You went there, you root for Ohio State football. How tough was it for you to give them up and root for the Hawkeyes? <laughs> well, you know, I can root for both, I feel like. Uh, except for, you know, a couple years ago, uh, Ohio State came out here and played Iowa and Iowa beat them. Um, you know, my wife who, who went to Iowa, she was uh, she was very excited to say the least. But uh but, uh, but, yeah, I actually took a visit here to Iowa when I was looking at schools um, my senior year. I visited Michigan State, Iowa, and Ohio State and really liked Iowa. Um, head coach at the time, Steve Houghton, was, was a great guy, and he was the real, real reason why I went to come visit. And, um, you know, just obviously I grew up in Ohio, couldn't pass up the opportunity for Ohio State, but um, it was just awesome to be able to get an opportunity here and be the assistant for a year under Coach Houghton and then, eventually uh become the head coach but iowa city is a great place and obviously in the big 10 and and being a head coach in the big 10 was always my goal because it was a place where the teams that you were going to compete against meant something to you growing up um in the midwest so Mm-hmm. And you talked about it there. You were the assistant at Iowa for the a year. You were also assistant at, I believe, USD. Um, and, you know, college tennis has been something that seems to have been a part of your life ever since you started to play it, uh, you know, back at Ohio State in 2003. What is it about the game that continued to appeal to you? What is it about college tennis that made you know you wanted it to be a part of your life forever? For me, it's the competition. Um, you know, I, I just love getting out there and competing in anything, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, cards. A lot of the guys from Ohio State play Euchre still. I mean, we're all super competitive on that or, um, you know, whatever type of game we're playing. So the competition was big. And then just being part of a team, always played team sports growing up. And getting into high school, that was the first time that you got to play tennis on a team. And a high school team won the state title a couple times as a team, and those those uh, those moments, those matches, you know, those close matches where it comes down to one person and everybody's cheering. That was that was it for me. So that that's really what kind of sparked my love for college tennis and um, why I wanted to stay into it uh, for my career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were having success on the Pro Tour. You had reached top 600 already in doubles, and you won a couple of uh, pro t- uh, titles on in doubles as well. Uh, but pretty quickly, you went back to, uh, again, college tennis. Was it something where you got your first offer to be an assistant? You were like, yep, I'm ready to take this jump. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I actually got a couple offers that I turned down right when I finished um, college. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I kind of decided that, you know, I want to, I'm playing, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm playing the best tennis of my life. I want to go out there and just play every ounce of tennis that I have out of myself. And, um, you know, obviously went out and played pro for a year and a half, two years and had some success. And then on the drive home from a little, uh, tournament in jacksonville florida was down in florida for about five weeks drove back to columbus in ohio and probably an hour outside of ohio my transmission of my car blew and <laughs> i had about a thousand dollars in the bank and that's when i knew you know hey this thing might be over so <laughs> yeah. no i without kidding i mean the finance we've talked about it so much especially now during this pandemic when there's talk of relief funds and everything but yeah the financial realities of pro tennis i imagine were not very fun it was tough. It was tough. You know, I, I think I enjoyed playing for money in money tournaments more than I enjoyed getting points at, at pro events because you, you could win so much more. Um, but uh, there's, you know, there's a couple big ones. The Cleveland doubles tournament, which is a $20,000 total prize money tournament. We made made the finals a couple of times in that. Um, there's a tournament down in Florida that we are in the quarterfinals of. So I, I really enjoyed those money tournaments, maybe even more than the pro pro circuit events mm -hmm. i feel you know if you're a hardcore tennis fan, you know about those men's opens and those money events i feel there is underbelly is the wrong connotation but there is an underbelly of events throughout the uh tennis world right where you can play these men's opens these money tournaments that aren't for atp points yeah absolutely i mean a, a lot of them are usually when i was playing at least were either right before the big pro event that was going to be in the town or, or after um, and there was just a couple of ones that were like staples of the year. Like I mentioned, the one in Cleveland. There's also one down in um, in West Texas where they actually paid for our flights out and put us up in, in uh, some pretty nice homes with the members. And you played a 16-person tournament. And if you lost in the first round, you got to to, uh, to play with a member in, in the tournament to win some money. So, um, yeah, it was, it, those were a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that sounds like a good time, and I don't know if this was a money event, but I know Pac Coast doubles, you're playing with Mace, you're playing Grant <laughs> Chen and someone on his team, and word on the street is Grant has yet to recover from that forehand down the line you hit him with. <laughs> You've done some research. That's, that's impressive. That's imp Yeah, it, actually, it was funny because I told Mace, I said, I really don't want to play this tournament. I'm, I'm a coach now. I don't want to, you know, act like an a-hole or anything like that. I get too competitive. And um, he's, he convinced me to play. I was like, okay, let's play. And then sure enough, you know, first round, we played Grant and his partner. And I cracked the forehand about 100 miles an hour. And, yeah, it, it, I connected with it. So. <laughs> But then, but then it was it was nice of Macy after we lost. I think we lost to Carousel, and uh, it was a French guy that played at UCLA. Puget. Uh, Puget, yeah, he was a really good player. We lost to those guys, and uh, after the match, we're walking off, and Macy told me that Ryan Keckley was better doubles partner than I was. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that was unacceptable. Yeah, I said, all right, thanks. I, I said, hey, you know, maybe the next time I'll play a little better, you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, at least he didn't say, you know, like Scott or someone from your past. Like, that could have been way worse. Uh, but, you know, yeah, for you, uh, as you mentioned, you know, uh, transitioning or, you know, getting competitive during these matches. And, you know, I'm sure that's something playing tennis. Again, you you played it your whole life. You are a competitor. You are a tennis player. Uh, I'm curious, going to Ohio State when you were younger, because Ty Tucker now is still a madman. But what was young Ty like? Like, I can only imagine the bite must have been even worse back then. <laughs> it's actually funny because I actually became a head coach at the same time, at the same age, I think, as Ty did. So, I don't know. I feel like every head coach is a little bit more intense and they're trying to prove themselves and, you know, they're trying to figure everything out. But, you know, Ty's one of a kind. Uh, he's definitely relentless on uh, the practice court and in the recruiting aspect of it. And, your best is is expected every single day every single minute that you're there so and if you're if you're not competing with everything you got then you're going to hear about it and that's uh that's kind of how he is but at the same time i mean he's definitely he coaches you hard but you get a lot better i mean that was where i really learned about tennis and um obviously growing up in ohio and being able to play for ohio state that was something that i had always that was a goal of mine there's a couple guys that played for Ty that were a little older that uh, were from Toledo, so I looked up to them, and um, it was just an awesome experience. 
Mm-hmm. And I believe when you left the school, you were the uh, program leader in combined wins. Essentially, he owes you a bunch of credit, right? <laughs> I guess so. I guess, unfortunately, uh, when the program's on the rise like it was, I think my record may have gotten broken less than a year later by uh, <laughs> by Konyeko and Kronagi and Monaki and all those guys that came after us. Mm-hmm. No, they definitely did. And, you know, I... In terms of having Ty as a coach, having someone like that in your life, you know, what did that do for you? And the reason I ask that question is because what we hear so often when we talk to these players, not only in terms of how they made their recruiting decision, but when they reflect back on their college years, they talk about how important the coaches were to them, how it's, you know, so critical that the fit be right with the coaches because that's who's guiding you for four years. You know, how was your own experience and how did that experience shape maybe some of your own coaching philosophies i think that really is the most important thing is to make sure that you find a program where the coach has the same goals as you and and wants to go at the tennis part of it with the intensity that you do and um you know i just remember being on the recruiting trip in columbus you know i've been to columbus before uh we went to the ohio state game jeremy warton was my uh was my host had a great time but what really sold me where i knew i was going there was the practice you know ty had some guys were at, the tur- at a tournament, but I had five guys out there, and he's, you know, telling them what to do, and you know he's cheering them on, and he's hard on them, but the, the drills are fast paced and everything like that. And I, I just left there and I told my parents, like, this is where, this is it, like this mm-hmm. is the guy that's going to get me better at tennis. He's, he's, I wanted that intensity. You know, obviously the program had had success, and yeah, you know, I think those are all, those are all really, really important things. And obviously, I've taken a lot from you know, what I learned from Ty and how he does lineups and practice and preparation and all those types of things and taken into my coaching career and, you know, made it my own, but it's definitely, you couldn't have asked for a better person to, to watch and learn from for, you know, four years as a player. And then obviously we've been pretty good friends ever since then. Mm-hmm. Is, is the Iowa doubles philosophy that first four hands going big down the line? Yeah, I don't know if we do the big down the line, but we do a lot of the uh, we do a lot of volume to the right places and moving together as a team and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I, I we might see you might see the first forehand going through the middle. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, make them work a little bit. Keep it low. Uh, see how those right. knees work. Um, but you know, for you, because when you played college tennis, there was obviously ad scoring, and you know the format was a little bit longer. And now that format's changed. And you know, have you changed how you coach your team to those changing circumstances? You know, is there an increased emphasis on no ads, no ad points, and you know, how do you think those scoring format changes have impacted? you know, the developmental possibilities of college tennis. Do you still think it's as good a pathway as any? I haven't really changed uh, the way that I've coached. I just think maybe you put more emphasis on, you know, hey, there's going to be seven points in this game, and we need to make sure that we're making it for serving. We need to make first serves and, you know, hitting the ball to the high percentage spots. And if we're returning, making sure we're putting that return in the court and getting the point started, especially on the first serve. So, um I just think there's more emphasis point to point. We don't really have any points to play with. And um, I think it's made college tennis a lot more exciting. I think there's more room for some upsets that may have not been there when you had the traditional scoring format, and especially in, in doubles. I mean, the doubles point already went quick, but you know, you, the doubles point's going even faster now, and you've got to be ready to go from the very first point. Mm-hmm. 6-4-3 matches this season you guys go 4-2 and two. you've obviously played in some high pressure moments yourself what's more difficult playing in that 3-all situation or being the head coach when it's 3-all and you're standing there on the sideline watching I would definitely say the head coach I mean I, would... <laughs> <laughs> I mean we my assistant and I were actually talking about this the other day I mean there's just so many um emotions that are going through your head during a three four hour dual match of okay now we got the momentum and now we don't and you're trying to coach these guys you know through the emotional parts of the match all the meanwhile you're trying to keep yourself under control with your emotions and so for me i would definitely rather be uh be out there hitting the balls and making the decisions and playing but um but i've really enjoyed uh coaching and you know getting to see these guys compete in those scenarios and, and being successful or even if they're not successful, just playing the right way, playing to win, um, and, and being a part of the team, I, I just think that's that's special for me as a coach. 
Mm-hmm. Um, how's your own game holding up right now? If you're playing in in practice, are you competing? I'll tell you what, you mentioned the forehand at Grant Chen. Um, <laughs> we played doubles about a two weeks before the end of this, the season got called and my partner and I won six, two, and I hit a couple rocket returns off that. So it's pretty good. Pretty good. Doubles, doubles is good. And then I'm good for about a set and singles. And then after that, I'm, I'm, my conditioning's a little weak right now. Yeah. Well, you know, post COVID when everyone's working to get their bearings back, maybe you can compete a little bit better. Um, but yeah, so for you, you know, first five years, you won 74 matches. I believe that's fifth most over a five year span in program history. Uh, how are you feeling, you know, before we have some fun to end this podcast, how are you feeling about the state of your program? How are you feeling about where your team's at, you know, with, if tennis ever resumes, assuming it does for this 2021 season, uh, how are you feeling about the state of Iowa men's tennis? I mean, we feel great. You know, like I said, I mean, when I started this, it was building a program that was going to be sustainable and we'd be able to be in the NCAA tournament and win rounds. And, you know, I think we've, you know, gotten a good uh, group of players right now in our team, young and old, but then also, um, you know, understanding what players in the recruiting process are going to work here and which ones can develop. And, um, you know, we've got the pro event that's during the summer that we get to host that our guys get a chance to play in. And I feel like our schedule has come along and we've really built a good schedule over the past seven years. So um, definitely, definitely Iowa tennis, I think, is in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And okay, so let's have some fun with you down the home stretch. I'll do a little rapid fire series of questions, more rapid in terms of I'm going to be asking a bunch of questions as opposed to the speed of your answers. That work for you? All right, let's do it. All right, Westoff, give me a rapid fire sound effect, please. Um, let's start here. You mentioned the fact that you guys are doing team zooms. Let's have a little fun. You're on the team zoom. Let's say you're the administrator. Who is the member of your team you are going to put on mute so you don't have to hear from them for the rest of the chat? Oh, oh, that's actually kind of an interesting. They all kind of contribute in, in their own way. But, um, I I might say, I might say Oliver Oconquo, um, only because, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't sometimes follow the conversation as closely as he should do. So we may be on a different topic and he might chime in and talk about something we were talking about five or 10 minutes ago. So, yeah, no, that's fair. I think he would agree with that. Um, but all right, moving on in terms of just some coaching things for you, uh, your coaching philosophy, I talked about that forehand down the line, but are you someone who says in doubles got to serve in volley? I would prefer that, and I think when you watch us play, we've recruited a lot of guys that can do that. But, I mean, I think more and more importantly, it's, you know, can you hit a big first serve, and then can you hit a forehand that can hurt somebody and take someone's time away so you can eventually come to the net? Or if you can hit it big enough, maybe you'll get a weaker return and your partner can clean up that volley. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you there. Um, Indoor tennis, outdoor tennis, which do you prefer? I like indoor tennis. I mean, I'm from the Midwest. I've played a majority of that my whole life, so I'd have to say indoor. There are no correct answers during a rapid fire, but that was the correct answer, just so you know. (laughs) From one Midwest fan to another. Uh, Yeah, it's all about the indoor tennis. Um, Okay, moving on here uh, through here. What would you say is the biggest difference between, you know, the highest level of junior tennis and then getting to college tennis being at the top of that game? I think the the base – uh, of junior t- tennis players, I think there's a lot of you know unnecessary errors. Maybe guys hitting the ball down the line too much. Maybe their footwork's not there. So I think in college tennis, I think the the footwork, the intensity that you're moving your feet, and getting set up is bigger. And then I think you're you're hitting the ball cross court more, trying to hit it with as much spin and pace as you can, and um, you know not not making bad decisions. I think that's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Who is the player right now, not in college tennis, but on the pro tour, you have your players watching the most? Wow, that's a good one. Uh, you know who I really enjoyed uh, is Medvedev. Really? Yeah, I, I loved watching him over through the U.S. Open, and we talked about him a lot in the fall just because I think he's got um, he's got a tough game to play against, but he's a big guy. He's got a good serve. He's long. He can move. Um forehand isn't that pretty but he gets it done and man and the way he played it that whole summer just what a competitor that guy is yeah it's so unorthodox right it's like he must be just it's the it's the level he competes at it's just so hard to win a point against him yeah i mean that's and that's something we talk about all the time but i mean he loves it you know he he loves it he loves to compete i mean the way that the fans were treating him and the things that he did was definitely not great but he battled through it and people loved him at the end so 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Lot of lot of lot of mental toughness there, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Last two for you, uh, in terms of because you talk about Daniil Medvedev, and this is, I suppose, a more serious question. But we have seen guys like Medvedev, Hatchinov, Zverev, even Tsitsipas is a quiet six four. Do you think eventually you're going to have to be six four, six five to compete at the top of men's professional tennis? I mean, that, that's the way it looks. I mean, if, if you look at, uh, I mean, if you look at the rankings, I, I think there. I did this stat a while, a couple of years ago, and I think that there was only a handful of guys under six foot that or even in the top 100 in the world. So, um, you know, with the serve and the way that these bigger guys are able to move and, and generate power, I think that's the way the, the game is going right now. I continue to say I have never seen someone move as fluidly and hit the ball as big as Alex Zverev. It's literally like if, if Tomas Burdich had good hips, it would be Alex Zverev. Like, it's just the most it's the most immaculate thing. Um, so I, I completely agree with you there. All right, last question for you. And again, I think you're going to learn who I'm doing all my research with. But <laughs> I saw a video. I have my own opinion. Better jump shot. You or Brett Macy? I mean, I don't know who has the better jump shot. I just know who won when we were playing the contest. I mean, it was me. <laughs> I mean, Brett, Brett Macy maybe, uh, I think he was like a, on this, a point guard on the CIF championship team. But in our, our game of knockout, I took him down. So. Oh, I saw the takedown. And I have to say, I enjoyed your jumper. It was a good jumper. I, I well, probably wasn't the prettiest, but the, the better thing was I was actually, I beat him in khaki pants and a collared shirt and moccasin. <laughs> And, and he was he was decked out. He had his tennis shoes on, his USD gear. I mean, he was ready. So yeah, you beat him so badly, he fled to Texas Tech. Um, <laughs> I would make that joke to his face for the record. So Brett, if you hear that, you know I love you. Uh, but with that being said, Coach Wilson, uh, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with us today. Hope you and your team, your family, are staying safe and healthy through all of this craziness. And again. Uh, Good luck to your entire program. We look forward to seeing you guys compete again whenever the next season may start. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and and thanks for everything you do for college tennis. I've enjoyed uh, listening to all the coaches' podcasts and where they come from and how they got to where they were. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Should I ask you to give a, a go blue when, for the uh, sign-off, or should I get a go Hawkeyes from you? I don't think I could do that. The go blue. <laughs> I, I can't say go Hawks, though. <laughs> I love it. All right, Coach, thank you so much. Take care. All right, thanks a lot. Hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Iowa men's tennis head coach Ross Wilson. Again, he's just one of the many young college tennis coaches out there who are so hungry uh, to get after, to build these successful programs, to turn college tennis into the product across the nation that we all know it can be. And again, there's so much energy, so much positivity, uh, so much creativeness, so much intelligence amongst all of these young coaches. Uh, It's a really exciting time to be a college tennis fan. We are in the midst of such an outstanding season, and it's why we worry about the future of college tennis more than ever, and I know I take solace in the fact that people like Ross Wilson, people like our guest on Tuesday, USF head coach Ashley Fisher, of course, Tim Russell, players throughout the globe, uh, throughout the country, I should say, well, throughout the globe because it's an international game, the reverence with which they speak of college tennis, it speaks to the importance, its place in the tennis ecosystem, and I really hope we as a college tennis community, we as a tennis community at large, can come together and fight for it because it needs our support now more than ever. But huge shout out again to Ross for taking the time to chat with us. Always appreciate when uh, these coaches take the time to chat. So it was, you know, great getting to talk to him. And as I mentioned, it's not just him. We've talked to Ashley Fisher of USF. We've talked to Chris Woodruff of Tennessee. Of course, we talked to all of those coaches back before the 2020 season began. But honestly, I think all of those things hold up considering a lot of those team members are going to be back for this next season of college tennis so you can go check those out of course you can listen to our conversations with players such as Alexa Graham Ashley Leahy Michaela Gordon Jada Hart Andrew Fenty Oliver Crawford Sam Riffis and so many more all by checking out that cracked interviews podcast
podcast, our conversation with pro players such as Bethany Maddox-Sands and, uh, gosh, there have been so many at this point, Dennis Kudla, Mitchell Kruger, and more all on that feed. And, of course, we're rocking and rolling across our podcast on the Mini Break Podcast day in, day out. We have been following the biggest storylines, the fallout uh, from the mistakenly played, you know, misguided Adria Tour and the wrath Novak Djokovic is facing from the tennis world. Uh, The U.S. Open, it feels like years ago at this point, but the U.S. Open scheduled to be played in August. The bubble, the ATP and WTA are trying to create around that event to ensure the safety and health of all of these players. All of these issues, all of the moving storylines and pieces covered day in, day out on the Mini Break podcast. Of course, on the GSP, conversations with people like Ben Rothenberg, Gil Gross, former ATP CEO Mark Miles, Sports Business Journal's Brett McCormick, uh, and so many more as well, talking again uh, about all of these things going on in the tennis world. So like, rate, subscribe to the review to the podcast if you have not already. If you have, thank you. And again, keep sending us comments. We want to know what you want to hear. We want to know, you know, if you guys want, we just did a fantastic mailbag segment for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, We would do that on this show as well if we got enough questions. So, you know, feel free, any comments, any questions, again, send them to us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, by the way, as well, where our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f*** of an editing job to do and, as always, continue to kill it with all of our content. They're killing it on the video portion as well. So, again, go subscribe to that YouTube channel. You don't want to miss anything we're up to here at Cracked Rackets. And, again, if you have missed anything, be sure to go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Again, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you need the more immediate updates. We're there at Cracked Rackets. Uh, We have appreciated all of you who, again, take the time to comment, to reach out, to talk to us about our work because that's our goal here at Cracked Rackets, to bring the tennis community together through our shared love of our beloved sport. And so, you know, if we can do that through any of our content, then we are certainly doing our job. Uh, But with that being said, by the way, we wouldn't be able to do our job without the support we get day in, day out from our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. Our friends at Aerobar. Check out that new episode of Getting to the Point. uh, Ivan Barron, our guest this week. Uh, You can check that out every every Thursday on the Mini Break Podcast. And you can go get yourself some Aerobar by going to their website, Aerobar.com, using our promo code CRACKED15. You'll have the equipment. You'll have the nutrition. You'll be ready to make your return to the court a success. But that being said, for our wonderful guest, Iowa men's tennis head coach, Ross Wilson, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.